Leslie Marshall Show, a true democracy in talk radio. Of, for, and by you, the people. Leslie Marshall Show. This is Mark Grimaldi in for Leslie Marshall, joining you for the next hour. Then you'll have Leslie back from 4 to 6 p.m. Eastern, uh, as usual, 1 to 3 p.m. Pacific. Uh, In the meantime, I am pleased to be joined, uh, as I am most Tuesdays from 3 to 4 p.m. Eastern, by a very good friend of the show, Brad Bannon, who runs Bannon Communications Research, a polling message development and media firm which helps labor unions, progressive issue groups, and Democratic candidates win public affairs and political campaigns. Brad is also a senior advisor to and contributing editor for Tiller4U.com, the social media network for politics. He lectures in political science at Salem State University in Salem, Massachusetts. Uh, You can find uh, a lot of different interview pieces uh, that Brad has done on thehill.com as a political uh, strategist. And um, you can follow him on Twitter at Brad Bannon. That's B-R-A-D-B-A-N-N-O-N. A A great follow. I highly recommend. If you'd like to follow me on Twitter, you can do so. Uh, My handle's at Mark J. Grimaldi. That's M-A-R-K-J-G-R-I-M-A-L-D-I. And uh, we are uh, streaming live from Periscope today, uh, like usual, so you can check out the video stream there if you'd like. Uh, and uh, now we're going to welcome Brad. Brad, thanks for uh, coming on hey, the show Mark. today. How you doing? Good, good. Uh, did you have a good Thanksgiving? Yes, I did. Uh, did you? Yes, uh, it was honestly really nice to uh, have some relaxing time with uh, family and kind of get away from uh, the world of politics, uh, which has been pretty tough uh, since the election for uh, for us progressives. And it was fun because my daughter uh, is um, a little bit over two, and uh, I have a nephew who's five and another uh, niece who's almost two. So this was kind of the, the first family holiday where my daughter and my niece weren't just like, you know, blob, baby blobs sitting there. They uh, partook in the family. Uh, family fun and uh it's it's getting me really excited for christmas yeah it's great i got to see uh both my kids at the same time at the same place which i rarely ever, ever do anymore so that was nice yeah reconnecting to family definitely important but uh speaking of family we are going to be talking about um donald trump and his children uh and some major conflicts of interest that um people thought they knew but it seems like are much um, deeper than uh, initially thought due to uh, some great work by the New York Times, uh, which uh, ran on the front page this past Sunday. So I'm actually going to read uh, a good chunk of that. We're going to go to break and come back with uh, with Brad's opinion on this and yours. So for those of you who uh, haven't heard this yet, uh, strap on your seatbelts. The story is entitled, uh, if you want to follow along at home or read it later, it's a great piece from the New York Times. It's entitled, Potential Conflicts Around the Globe for Trump the businessman president. On Thanksgiving Day, a Philippine developer named Jose E.B. Antonio hosted a company anniversary bash at one of Trump's Manila's 
hosts, excuse me, poshest hotels. Uh, so Manila, uh, the capital in the Philippines, he had much to be thankful for. In October, he had quietly been named a special envoy to the United States by the Philippine president, uh, the infamous Rodrigo Duarte. Uh, he, Mr. Antonio was nearly finished building a $150 million tower in Manila's financial district, a 57-story symbol of affluence and capitalism, which bluntly promotes itself with the slogan, Live Above the Rest. And now his partner on the project, Donald Trump, had just been elected president of the United States. After the election, Mr. Antonio flew to New York for a private meeting at Trump Tower with the president-elect's children, who have been involved in the Manila Project from the beginning, as have Mr. Antonio's children. The Trumps and the Antonios have other ventures in the works, including Trump-branded resorts in the Philippines, Mr. Antonio's son, Robbie Antonio, said. Quote, we will continue to give you products that you can enjoy and be proud of, the elder Mr. Antonio, one of the richest men in the Philippines, told the 500 friends, employees, and customers gathered for his star-studded celebration in Manila. Mr. Antonio's combination of jobs, he is a business partner with Mr. Trump, while also representing the Philippines in its relationship with the United States and the president-elect, is hardly inconsequential given some of the weighty issues on the diplomatic table. Among them... Mr. Duarte has urged a separation from the United States and has called for American troops to exit the country in two years' time. His anti-drug crusade has resulted in the summary killings of thousands of suspected criminals without trial, prompting criticism from the Obama administration. Situations like these are already lending some former government officials from both parties to ask if Trump's excuse me, to ask if America's reaction to events around the world could potentially be shaded, if only slightly, by the Trump family's financial ties with foreign players. They worry, too, that in some countries those connections could compromise American efforts to criticize the corrupt intermingling of state power with vast business enterprises controlled by the political elite. Quote, it is uncharted territory, really, in the history of the republic, as we have never had a president with such an empire both in the United States and overseas, said Michael J. Green, who served on the National Security Council in the administration of George W. Bush and before that at the Defense Department. The globe is dotted with such potential conflicts. Mr. Trump's companies have business operations in at least 20 countries, with a particular focus on the developing world, including outposts in nations like India, Indonesia, and Uruguay, according to a New York Times analysis of his presidential campaign financial disclosures. What's more, the true extent of Mr. Trump's global financial entanglements is unclear since he has refused to release his tax returns and has not made public a list of his lenders. A review by the Times of these business dealings identified a menu of the kinds of complications that could create a running source of controversy for Mr. Trump, as well as tensions between his priorities as president and the needs and objectives of his companies. In Brazil, for example, the beachfront Trump Hotel Rio de Janeiro, one of Trump's many branding dealings in which he does not have an equity stake, is part of a broad investigation by a federal prosecutor who is examining whether illicit commissions and bribes resulted in apparent favoritism by two pension funds that invested in the project. Several of Mr. Trump's real estate ventures in India, where he has more projects underway than in any location outside North America, 
are being built through companies with family ties to India's most important political party. This makes it more likely that Indian government officials will do special favors benefiting Mr. Trump's projects, including pressuring state-owned banks to extend favorable loans. Now we move on to Ireland and Scotland, where executives from Mr. Trump's golf courses have been waging two separate battles with local officials. The most recent centers on the Trump organization's plans to build a flood prevention seawall at the course on the Irish coast. Some environmentalists say the wall could destroy an endangered snail's habitat, a dispute that will soon involve the President of the United States. On to Turkey. Officials, including President Recep Tayyip Erdogan, a religiously conservative Muslim, demanded that Mr. Trump's name be removed from Trump Towers in Istanbul after he called for a ban on Muslims entering the United States. More recently, after Mr. Trump came to the defense of Mr. Erdogan, suggesting that he had the right to crack down harshly on dissidents after a failed coup, the calls for action against Trump Towers have stopped, fueling worries that Mr. Trump's policies toward Turkey might be shaped by his commercial interests. Mr. Trump has acknowledged a conflict of interest in Turkey. Quote, I have a little conflict of interest because I have a major, major building in Istanbul, he said during a radio interview last year with Steve Bannon, the Breitbart News executive, who has since been designated his chief White House strategist. Quote, Trump said, quote, it's a tremendous... It's a tremendously successful job. It's called Trump Towers, two towers instead of one, not the usual one. It's two, end quote. These tangled ties already have some members of Congress, including at least one Republican representative, calling on Mr. Trump to provide more information on his international operations or perhaps for a congressional inquiry into them. Quote, you rightly criticized Hillary for Clinton Foundation, Representative Justin Amish, Republican of Michigan, said in a Twitter message on Monday. Quote, if you have contracts with foreign governments, it's certainly a big, ta- a big deal, too. Hashtag drain the swamp. Quote, this is from Michael H. Fuchs, who was until recently deputy assistant at the Bureau of East Asian and Pacific Affairs. He says, the working assumption on behalf of all these foreign government officials will be that there is an advantage to doing business with the Trump organization. They will think it will ingratiate themselves with the Trump administration, and this will significantly complicate United States foreign policy and our relationships around the world. At the same time, Mr. Fuchs said, American diplomats in countries where Trump's companies operate, fearful of a rebuke from Washington, may be reluctant to take steps that could frustrate business partners or political allies. What is clear is that there has been very little division in the weeks since the election between Mr. Trump's business interests and his transition effort, with the president-elect or his family greeting real estate partners from India and the Philippines in his office, and Mr. Trump raising concerns about his golf course in Scotland with a prominent British politician. Mr. Trump's daughter, Ivanka, who is in charge of planning and development of the Trump Organization's global network of hotels, has joined in conversations with at least three world leaders of Turkey, Argentina, and Japan, having access that could help her expand the brand worldwide. Mr. Trump, in the interview with the Times on Tuesday, acknowledged that his move to the Oval Office could help enrich his family. He cited his new hotel a few blocks from the White House, which the Trump Organization has urged diplomats to consider patronizing one in town to meet the president or his team. Federal law does not prevent Mr. Trump from taking actions that could benefit and his family financially. The president is exempt from most conflict of interest laws. But the Constitution through what is called the Emoluments Clause, appears to prohibit him 
from taking payments or gifts from a foreign government entity, a standard that some legal experts say he may violate by renting space in Trump Tower in New York to the Bank of China or if he hosts foreign diplomats in one of his hotels. When we get back, we're going to get Brad Bannon's take on these newly discovered conflicts of interest that President-elect Trump and his family has as he enters uh, the run uh, of his transition team moving towards uh, the Electoral College voting on December 19th to uh, make him officially president-elect and then what would be his inauguration in late January. If you'd like to join us uh, regarding Donald Trump's conflicts of interest, you can do, uh, do so at 8886 Leslie. That's 888-653-7543. This is Mark Romaldi and Brad Bannon in for Leslie Marshall, and we'll be right back after this quick commercial break. Life, liberty, and the pursuit of truth. The Leslie Marshall Show, 888-6-LESLIE. Good afternoon and welcome back to the Leslie Marshall Show. This is Mark Romaldi and Brad Bannon uh, in for Leslie Marshall until 4 p.m. Eastern, uh, at which time Leslie will return. In the meantime, we uh, have been talking about President-elect Donald Trump's conflicts of interest as a businessman and what that will mean for when he becomes president of the United States, seeing as he did not uh, embraced the tradition of releasing his tax returns, which he broke a 40-year tradition of all major political candidates doing so. And also, he did not put his business in a blind trust, which would mean he would not have conflicts of interest. Instead, he says he's going to hand it over to his kids, even though he seems to be still having business dealings personally and as you heard, his kids have been very involved in dealings with his job as president, whereas Ivanka Trump was on the call with the leaders of three nations around the world. And we've already heard evidence of Trump trying to use his status as president-elect to get favorable outcomes for his business. Um, Brad, uh, I know you got a chance to read this story. What do you make of President-elect Trump's conflicts of interest that were highlighted by The New York Times? Well, I think it's pretty clear that he has a whole bunch of uh, uh, conflict of interest. Uh, the reality is any decision the President of the United States makes is going to affect the economy one way or the other. Uh, you were talking about the phone calls uh, between uh, Donald Trump and foreign leaders. Uh, a couple of weeks ago when he spoke to the president of Argentina, uh, he talked to the uh, president about uh, a uh, development uh, that he has going in Buenos Aires. And you talked about his conversations with the Brits on the golf course. Uh, this is just a complete uh, conflict of interest. Uh, my guess is Donald Trump doesn't care at all. Uh, I think he's feeling hubris uh, from the election. Uh, I think he's feeling he can do pretty much anything he damn wants to. 
So my guess is he's just going to continue uh, full bore uh, until he comes crashing to a halt. And as you mentioned, uh, this is exactly the kind of thing uh, that he that got Hillary Clinton into trouble. Uh, and if he pursues this, uh, he will get in trouble. It might be a while because you know he seems to be completely insulated from all sorts of uh, ethical problems. So uh, I think he's going to charge full speed ahead, but eventually it's go- he's going to crash into something, uh, and it's going to be a god-awful mess. Uh, so it's just a matter of time. Brad, the Constitution says that no elected official can take an, and I hope I'm pronouncing this right, emolument uh, of any kind, whatever, from a king, prince, or foreign state. The restriction, known as the Emoluments Clause, is intended to prevent political officials from receiving gifts from foreign governments. And mentioned um, previously uh, in this story, Richard Painter, who was a, con- a con- who is a constitutional lawyer, and George W. Bush's former ethics lawyer, says that the instant Trump's business sells anything above quote fair market value to a foreign government that it's clearly then considered a gift and therefore a violation of the emoluments clause. And this was the same answer given to the Times by Norman Eisen, who was the chief White House counsel ethics lawyer for President Obama from 2009 to 2013. So is Trump on a collision course, not just with you know these conflicts of interest, but also this emoluments clause, which is in the Constitution? Um, so just wondering what you think might come of that specifically, if you have any thoughts on that. Well, uh, Donald Trump has that cover, too, uh, because there's an old saying uh, constitutional scholars have, uh, the Constitution is whatever the Supreme Court justices say it is. Uh, and when Donald Trump appoints a, a justice to uh, succeed, uh, to fill the seat of Justice Scalia, uh, he will have a majority on the court. Uh, so my guess is he's not going to run into constitutional problems. You don't think Justice Kennedy might uh, play the swing vote as he has before with something like this? He seems more of a traditionalist in some sense. It could be, but I wouldn't bet on it. I mean, basically what we learned from the campaign is that Donald Trump can get away with murder. Yeah, I mean, the guy said he could shoot someone in the middle of Fifth Avenue and no yeah. one would care. Well, so. yeah, and, you know, you talked about the taxes. He never yep. released his taxes, as he promised. Uh, he was accused of sexual assault by a dozen women. But, it, you know, it just rolls off his back like water off a duck. Yeah, it seems like he's playing by a different set of rules. Brad, we're going to go to a, a hard break here. If you'd like to join Brad and myself, you can do so at 8886-LESLIE. That's 888-653-7543, talking about the conflicts of interest that President-elect Donald Trump has as he still pursues his business dealings along with his children, despite being uh, elected as our next president. What do you think about this? Uh, do you think he's always going to have the interest of America first, or will it be his business and America, or his business first and then America, and could it be changing, ever-changing? Mark Romali and Brad Bannon in for Leslie Marshall. Welcome back to the Leslie Marshall Show. Brad Bannon and Mark Romali with you for the next half hour before we're joined, uh, or I should say Leslie Marshall is uh, back on the mic hosting. 
Uh, we're talking about President-elect Trump's conflicts of interest uh, as he still run. He and his family still uh, will be running uh, the Trump businesses as uh, when he's still president. Um, so speaking of that, uh, joined again by Brad Bannon. Brad, how do you think it will affect Trump's presidency and what consequences might it have for our country based on the information you learned in this uh, New York Times piece? Well, uh, eventually, this will Trump will crash, crash uh, and burn because of these conflicts of interest. It's not going to happen soon because people, you know, let you know let things slide, uh, and uh, you know he'll be able to do it for a while. But at some point, it will get him into big trouble. Now, when that is, I don't know, but I can guarantee you it will happen uh, during uh, his term in office. Uh, and basically, if you look at the history of pres- the presidents and the mistakes they made, they always almost always make mistakes because they feel that they're specially entitled to do things uh, that, uh, because just because they're president. You know, my favorite example is uh, Richard Nixon uh, saying that uh, it's impossible uh, for the president to violate the law uh, because the president uh, makes the laws. Uh, and, you know, Trump came close to saying that last week uh, when he said that it's impossible for a president uh, to have conflict of interest. Uh, and so, you know, for a while he'll get away from it, but eventually it will lead him to something uh, that will hurt his presidency and the nation significantly. Uh, and, you know, it's just a matter of time. Uh, you know, you can get away with a lot of stuff in the campaign that you can't get away with as president. The standards are different. And it seems to me Trump, you know, uh, during the campaign uh, bragged about, uh, you know, sexual assault. Uh, he uh, used racist rhetoric. Uh, he refused to uh, release his taxes. But it didn't matter. Uh, no one cared, apparently. Now, it's different as president, uh, because people will hold the president uh, to a higher standard than they do a candidate for president. And again, again, his arrogance, and he's been, you know, incredibly arrogant since he won the election, uh, is going to, you know, get him into trouble, because that's how presidents get in trouble, thinking they're above the law. They're all powerful, and I think Trump's thinks that right now, and it will probably get more pronounced as he's the president longer, sadly. I think you're right about that, Brad. It's unfortunate that it's gotten this far, but it looks like for people really to be, you know, woken up about this stuff, they're going to need to see it happening as president. And it's going to be, you know, he's not going to be able to just take up all his time by beating up on Hillary Clinton anymore. He's going to be president. He's going to have a Republican House and Senate. And the consequences of his actions will now be solely, you know, squared on his shoulders. So I think you're right about that. I want to go to uh, a couple calls here. Uh, We're joined by uh, a good old friend of the show, Michael from the Bronx. Michael, welcome to the show, and uh, go ahead with your thoughts. Hi, Mark. Hi, Brad. Hey, Michael. This is becoming more and more sinister, scary. Uh, I don't know what else to call it, because here you have an incoming president who hasn't does not have the slightest 
freaking clue about the law or the Constitution and thinks that he's above both and doesn't have to answer to anybody or anything. You just listed a whole bunch of um, conflicts of interest and stuff that he very well could be very well breaking the law, not just domestically, but internationally. I mean, if you thought, if people thought that um, what we went through with Bush from 2000 to 2008 was pretty um, rough, then that probably would be baby stuff compared to what Trump will be doing with all his millions. And then the one question that people are not asking, since they failed so much, when I say people, I'm talking about the media, since they failed so much with um, doubling down on Trump in terms of the, um, not re- releasing taxes, not um, because of the assaults on women and all the other things we heard in the campaign. Now you have this woman, Kelly, I hope I'm saying her name Kel- right. Kelly Ann Conway. Conway, Conway yeah. that is constantly on the media blitz, and the credentials she forever has is former campaign manager. As far as I thought, the campaign was officially over. So what the hell is she doing still going from media blitz to media blitz, speaking as a Trump representative when she's not officially part of the transition team? Or is there something else that this um, incoming administration is holding secret? I mean, what the hell is going on here? Is there some kind of favor going on? Yeah, I think there's a lot of questions about the transition team and how secret it's been kept. But I agree with you, Michael. The bigger issue are, is obviously, you know, the unprecedented conflicts of interest here. And really, it, it's, you know, I think some of us thought that there would be some sort of stopgap from preventing this to happen, whether it would be members of, you know, Trump's own party, you know, behind the scenes, most likely saying, hey, listen, you got to put this into a blind trust, someone like Reince Priebus or Paul Ryan or Mitch McConnell pressuring him. But as we've seen before, Trump doesn't take kindly to that. And I think that might be where we see, you know, like Brad said, mistakes be made because he thinks he's power more powerful than everyone and he doesn't take advice it isn't like he's surrounding himself with you know yes men and yes women with the exception maybe being Mitt Romney but I still doubt that he's going to be given a position in the cabinet um and everyone else you know pretty much was just you know blind blindly supporting Trump from the beginning so he's not like Brad said he's very insulated so I agree with you on that Reggie uh in Georgia is also uh calling in to uh talk on this topic Reggie welcome to the show and uh, what are your thoughts on this well happy Tuesday to both of you yes I'm Marky Mark good morning hey Reggie how you doing guys uh well how's, it, well, how's Donald Trump gonna run gonna become president of the United States of America and still run a business he can't do both things at once that's impossible that's virtually impossible how's he gonna be able to still conduct business and the presidency of the United States of America while he's the president. Well, I think it's going to be him and his children, and, you know, basically any big decisions I think are still going to go to him. I think you're foolish if you don't think so. He's already asked for special security clearance for his children, which is unprecedented, and instead of putting his business in a blind trust where there wouldn't be, you know, a possibility of conflicts of interest, he's just going to have his kids run it, and they're going to be in constant communication, even having some of them on calls with world leaders like Ivanka Trump already on three calls with world leaders. Um, yeah, there's another good example of a conflict of interest. Uh, right now, there's a lot of uh, press on the uh, uh, pipeline in North Dakota. Uh, President uh, Obama uh, basically froze the project until uh, an environmental 
environmental review uh, could be uh, further environmental re- review could be conducted. Now, uh, when Donald Trump is uh, sworn in on January 20th, he's going to reverse that executive order uh, and like to let the pipeline be built. The problem is, well, there are all sorts of problems. So one of the problems is that Donald Trump uh, is part owner, uh, has a large investment in the company that's building the pipeline. Uh, and so that's a classic uh, conflict of interest. But, you know, I, th- I think Trump's going to try to skate through all this. You know, one of the advantages he has is, do you think uh, Mitch McConnell or uh, Paul Ryan are going to authorize a congressional investigation uh, into uh, Trump's conflict of interest? If you do, you're uh, definitely living on the wrong planet because it's not going to happen. But eventually, I am utterly convinced because of his hubris and his arrogance, this will lead him and the country into big trouble. Do you think, I agree with you, I, I, don't, I think it's going to take something really serious, and it's going to, honestly, it's going to be the fourth estate, as it's called. It's going to be the media like this uncovering a story, uh, because obviously, you know, Paul Ryan and, and Mitch McConnell aren't going to lead any congressional inquiries and, to, you know, fact-finding missions. If anything, it would be, I think, uh, you know, uh, just a show of, you know, acting like they're doing some sort of an inquiry and otherwise talking to Trump behind the scenes to try to, you know, get out of whatever trouble he's in. But, you know, you've already seen, you know, some uh, people like Congressman Justin Amish, obviously in the minority, talking about Trump's conflicts of interest. But there are, you know, some Republicans in Congress and the Senate uh, who did not support Trump and seem to already have their eye on him, like uh, Senators uh, Lindsey Graham and Rand Paul and Susan Collins and Jeff Flake, all Republicans. And then obviously, you know, you have Democrats who will be, you know, looking out um, like Elijah Cummings, who's on the um, congressional, uh, you know, who does congressional inquiries for the Democrats. Um, so I think, you know, we may eventually see pressure from members of Trump's own party, but I think it will be the media who uh, gets the story started. Um, Brad, isn't this amazingly hypocritical of Trump, considering how often he and his supporters cited concerns about Hillary Clinton being Secretary of State while her family still ran the Clinton Foundation? Oh, absolutely. It's, you know, a clear, you know, he has, he is walking into the same conflicts uh, that the press used to beat up Hillary Clinton for the last couple of years. There's only one difference between the Clinton situation and the Trump situation. Trump, as president, is a hell of a lot more powerful than Hillary Clinton as Secretary of State. Uh, Secretary of State has a defined parameters of responsibility. The president doesn't. So, uh, you know, again, I think Trump, to me, he's already said it. You know, the president can't have conflict of interest. Uh, And uh, I think he's going to go ahead full bore, uh, and eventually it will come home to kick him in the butt uh, because he'll do something really stupid because he's so arrogant. Brad, I couldn't agree more. We're going to go to break here. Uh, we've got one more segment coming up. If you'd like to join us, the number to do so is 8886-LESLIE. That's 888-653-7543. Mark Grimaldi and Brad Bannon in for Leslie Marshall, who will be uh, back hosting from 4 to 6 p.m. Eastern today. Again, if you'd like to join us, it's 888-6LESLIE, 888-653-7543. And we'll be right back for our last segment after this quick commercial break. You're listening to The Leslie Marshall Show. Truth for all sides of the spectrum. 888-6-LESLIE. 
Welcome back to the Leslie Marshall Show. Mark Romaldi and Brad Bannon in for Leslie Marshall. For one more segment, we're going to go right to the calls discussing President-elect Trump's conflicts of interest with his business. Uh, and we next go to Ishmael in Virginia on line four. Great to hear from you, Ishmael. Uh, what are your thoughts? Thank you so much. Hello, Mark. Hello, Brad. Hey, Ishmael. Well, can you hear me? What yeah, I wanted to I, say is, is that... Yeah, I really don't think the media is really uh, reporting enough on the conflict of interest and also the uh, broken promises that, 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 that Trump promises voters. I think they need to expose all these broken promises to his supporters and to see what type of liar and deceived person he is. And I don't think the media is not reporting enough at all. I would agree. I would say that, um, you know, obviously we already saw a double standard during the campaign with Hillary Clinton. You know, there would be, you know, any sort of potential negative story by, you know, any sort of press towards Hillary Clinton was then echoed by many other, you know, members of the press and news organizations. Whereas with Donald Trump, it seemed like he was, you know, being treated as an entertainer versus a, a public official. Whereas now I agree with Brad, I think it's going to take some time for his supporters because they already feel like, you know, he was, he, they, he convinced them that he was being unfairly attacked and he had an excuse for everything. But like I said, the difference now is it's not just going to be him being able to attack everything. He's going to be the one in power and he's going to have a Republican House and Senate. Obviously, mm-hmm. the downside is that, you know, the American people are going to suffer the consequences of his actions. But in the specific parameters of what you're discussing, which is how he will be covered, I would agree with Brad that I think it's going to become more of an issue now because he's going to be the main focus. He's going to be the president. Mm-hmm. It's no longer a campaign. And I would say that, you know, you're seeing you're starting to see these stories creep up and Honestly, it's unfortunate, but the way that the media works is, you know, especially online, it's it's called clickbait. The more clicks they can get. And these stories about corruption and conflicts mm-hmm. of interest are going to be the types of things that people are reading about. And I think people are interested in whether they support Donald Trump or not. So it's unfortunate that I think, you know, we're going to suffer the consequences because of it. Um, and I do think it's going to take some time before we start seeing um, these things treated the way they should. But I, I, I wasn't. Yeah, I, you know, I don't think. Yeah, I have a different view of the media coverage of Trump. Um, I think, essentially, uh, you know, let me give you an example. Uh, I think the media did a pretty good job uh, covering Trump and exposing him. People just didn't care. I mean, the classic mm. example is uh, that infamous uh, video from uh, Access Hollywood, uh, which calls him uh, bragging uh, about, you know, being, you know, being a sexual predator, sexual assault. You know, they kept running that thing over and over and over again, but no one cared. Uh, and partially the difference is, as president, uh, Trump's going to be the guy in the spotlight. In the campaign, essentially, Hillary Clinton was running interference for him because the media was so... Uh, focused on the email scandal and, you know, the Clinton Foundation scandal, uh, they didn't have enough time, probably, uh, to do, you know, the kind of coverage they could have done on Trump. Uh, but what bothers me is, I think, you know, the sexual assault thing, you know, the media ran and ran and ran and ran that video, and no one seemed to care. Uh, but I think he'll be different as president uh, because he won't have Hillary Clinton running interference for him. 
I think, Ishmael, hold on one second. I think, Brad, you actually make a really strong point, and I think a lot of it was, I think people did care. You saw his numbers go down, but I think there was other stories, and a lot of people were essentially voting against Hillary Clinton versus for Mm. Donald Trump if you look at the exit polls, and I think that it did hurt him, but then stories like, I mean, you saw the drop in Hillary Clinton's poll numbers after James Comey, you know, released that vague letter and Republicans yeah. and the media ran with it. So I think that it was damaging him. But and, and I do think that, you know, that's why that Hillary Clinton lost was part partly because of all those reasons. But I agree with you, Brad. I think you make a very strong point, which is he's not going to have Hillary Clinton or any emails to talk about anymore. It's going to be his presidency and he's going to be on the defensive. But um, Ishmael, go ahead with uh, your final thoughts here. But- but here's my concern. I think the media has been intimidated. If you look at CNN, that's Time Warner. Time Warner trying to merge with AT&T. You know, so they're going to go easy because they want that deal to go through. If you look at the Washington Post, that's uh, Amazon, the owner of Amazon. So, I mean, Trump's going to make his, his company probably uh, 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 regulation, all this type of things. So, to me, that kind of intimidates the media a little bit. So, I just wanted to get your opinion on that. No, I think you're right. It's 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 a very scary proposition because we do have this corporate run media. And if I mean, you saw the you heard the headlines about when Trump brought in, um, you know, different heads of media and basically like screamed and yelled at them and called them liars and attacked them personally. So obviously he feels, you know, no ill effects of doing this to the media and trying to intimidate the media. So I think it is uh, of great concern. Um, but you just have to hope that there's people like um, Jeff Farenthold of The Washington Post. Um, I think it's Maggie Haberman of The New York times and other good journalists katie tur of nbc news who are going to continue to uh you know report critically and report the truth i want to go to our one final call here uh jake in eureka california thanks for joining us and go ahead with your thoughts yeah regarding uh general david petraeus who apparently is currently under consideration for trump's cabinet um for those who don't know the general uh is currently serving probation uh, having been convicted of trading classified information for sexual favors is Trump going to pardon General Petraeus before he puts him in his cabinet? That's my first question. And my second question, is the Trump campaign ever going to provide any proof of all this claim that 3 million people voted illegally in California, New Hampshire, and Virginia? Well, I, Go ahead, uh, Brad. You know, in terms of General Petraeus, um, I think actually be very convenient. Uh, since General uh, Petraeus is on probation, uh, he will meet, uh, and if he's Secretary of State, uh, he will meet the Attorney General every week or so for uh, a uh, meet cabinet meeting, and that can qualify as the requirement for him checking into his uh, parole officer. <laughs> Uh, I mean, it'll be very convenient, I think. Um, But, you know, of course, the obvious hypocrisy where Petraeus, uh, you know, basically uh, gave national security secrets to his mistress, who was writing a book, and somehow that's not, that's okay, but Hillary Clinton's email is bad. I don't get that. And in terms of your second question, no, he'll never he'll never uh, have produced proof of all millions of uh, immigrants, uh, undocumented immigrants voting for him because it didn't happen. So he can't provide the proof. Yeah, exactly. And I think that's one thing Trump does very well. He puts out this misinformation. You know, he relies on people not fact-checking and, you know, blindly supporting him. And we saw during his, you know, campaign run that plenty of people did that. So uh, it's on us now. It's on the press to do a a good job of holding his feet to the fire. Hopefully uh, 
dispensing this information help do that a little bit today. Uh, if you'd like to uh, follow Brad, you can do so on Twitter at Brad Bannon. That's B-R-A-D-B-A-N-N-O-N. His website is BannonCR.com. Thanks to everyone who called and listened or watched today. This has been Mark Grimaldi and Brad Bannon in for Leslie Marshall. Uh, we'll be back next Tuesday again from 3 to 4 p.m. Eastern. And uh, after this commercial break, uh, Leslie will be back in the driver's seat uh, with some great interviews coming up, including Scott Paul, the president of the Alliance for American Manufacturing. We'll be back right after this quick commercial break.